0: Hey everyone and welcome to our podcast number two in the series of these beautiful, informative podcasts full of tips and information for different organizations and for you HR professionals. We would love to welcome you into this podcast today where we will be discussing recruiters versus talent acquisition. This is in-house versus agency. With you today is myself, uh, Olya Yagzhena is my name and I'm a people manager at Switchy. But do go ahead and check me out on LinkedIn if you want to learn more about who I am. And Karthika is here with me too.
1: Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to our podcast. Um, I'm head of people if you again, as Olya said, if you want to check me out on LinkedIn, um, go ahead and connect with us so to learn more about what we do. Um, but yeah, we we're so excited. This is our second one, and as Olya said and mentioned, we've got talent acquisition versus recruit, recruitment, which is really interesting for both of us. Um, so the so the value of this. Um, do you wanna do you
0: wanna go for the value of this, or shall I? Oh, the value of this is just, there's so much value. There's like bags and bags of value. (laughs) So this one we decided to just kind of speak to organizations directly and discuss with you guys uh, when you are looking at talent acquisition in-house, how do you set this whole thing thing up? Um, What's the value of in-house talent acquisition? versus working with external recruitment agencies and what to expect from external recruitment agencies as well. And we also have a bonus subject from Karthika about mm-hmm. moving from recruitment agency into a TA.
1: Hell yeah, we yes we do. Um, and it, it's gonna be interesting because um, the bonus subject is gonna be really useful for all those recruiters who are looking to get into talent acquisition um, in-house, especially, because I know how difficult it is um, and it's not the easiest transition in the world. Um, But if you can do it, it's a great transition.
0: (laughs) That is true. So let's kick off with like the first topic of the day, talent acquisition. Um, So Karthika knows a lot about talent acquisition, setting it up. Uh, and running the talent acquisition function, so go ahead, girl yes. <laughs> go do my thing now um wait, so wait. how
1: organizations are set up um and how how do you and why do you set up these organizations is is a real real question here um so I know a lot of organizations have this sort of idea in that in their head, like okay, so what are the benefits of setting up something like talent acquisition in-house well there are plenty of benefits um, to that and the biggest benefit is saving costs (laughs) and saving money Uh, recruitment agencies have a commission set up um, or a fee or an agency fee as you would and they generally go from anywhere between uh, 15 and 25 percent so that's quite a lot um, in percentage for for someone's base salary. So um, setting up this in house can actually save you hundreds and thousands of pounds. And previously I have saved um, previous organizations uh, up to 300,000 pounds a year, which is quite a lot of money to be saving. Um, especially if you're a startup scale up, looking to scale quickly Um, I know sometimes it can be daunting to get in-house talent acquisition because can you build the pipeline? Can you build the processes? Um, Is the function ready for that, right? So um, will that function take too long? So is it just easier to pay a recruiter agency fee um, versus talent acquisition? And these are really, really good questions. Um, So And these are questions that I guess leadership talk about it's fundamental but um before we sort of go into that um talent acquisition does quite a lot and it's not just recruitment right Olya like me and you don't particularly just do recruitment um yeah
0: I think as a as a part of you know any HR person who is the sole either a sole HR person in the company their focus is across like the entire spectrum of everything from talent acquisition to uh, employee life cycle management and all the other processes and employment law and even payroll sometimes. Yeah. So for sure, um, you know, this is definitely something that we, we do do ourselves and, and set up processes for.
1: Yeah, and talent acquisition is one of those functions which are entirely underestimated um, in fact. And, and you and I both know talent acquisition goes further as to even talent pipelining, um, it goes to managing the ATS, um, it goes to talent forecasting, it goes to working with hiring managers for diversity and inclusion, it goes to neurodiversity, um, it goes to, to a lot more that, we, that organizations don't even think that talent acquisition should be doing and i think that's where the trouble with calling yourself a recruiter versus talent acquisition comes from right Uh,
0: yeah absolutely we we sort of we had this conversation um you know before haven't we and and this is why we decided to get this podcast across to you guys because we've been just talking about kind of how um recruitment agencies can can come and tell you, you know, we're going to do all of this for you. And then we're just talking about this argument of what talent acquisition actually does on top of everything else. that. An external recruiter could possibly have an insight of. There is your uh, talent succession planning within your company, and um, just as uh, Karthika was saying, there is this neurodiversity and, and and cultural diversity in your team. So it it's just so many layers on top of that 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 we have access to. That is, you know, within our remit still.
1: Yeah, and and like. We have to think about all of these things like diversity and how our company even looks at CVs versus how others might and especially being in house. um, I think it's really important. So when we when we look at agencies, we don't we don't know how they're looking at the CV to match a job, Um, but in house we do talent acquisition does a lot more to shortlist in some sense um in that way and uh, i don't know how switchy does it but um maybe you could give an insight on how switchy does it
0: yeah of course um i think kind of wherever whichever company i go to i, I kind of bring this idea with me <laughs> so uh, i'm i'm with switchy for not so long and and uh, even you know kind of trying to uh recruit for switchy we have actually hired uh, quite quite a quite a couple of people <laughs> through this lockdown um so i got to practice some of these um some of these ways that I look through CVs um, for Switchy. So the way that our company looks at it is there is a CV, yes, that's the thing, but there's mm-hmm. also a cover letter that comes with it. We like to see people who spend that extra, you know, attention to detail to identify what we are asking and explain how this is met with their previous experience. I look for transferable skills, I look for things that would show me um, that this is what this person has done before uh, and this is something that they can probably learn and cope with doing here based on what they have been doing before. So it's not necessarily just like CV directly matched bullet point by bullet point to what I'm asking on my job description it's a bit more uh, kind of a bit more holistic trying to see what kind of behind the text trying to understand how this person speaks but the cover letter um, you know I, I really if I scan the CV one thing I never scan is the cover letter right. because it's something that i don't know me personally and i've heard you know different companies approach in different ways but for me personally i think if somebody took that extra time to invest in this process and wrote me a letter oh hell I'm gonna read it (laughs) and you know what if I read this letter and I see that it's a template letter uh, with some of the things copy pasted or if I see that this is really directed towards switchy really highlighting things we are asking versus stuff that they have done them self-reflecting and seeing how this stuff could be transferable that is what I look at overall. So for me, it's kind of this more holistic approach to them. And you know what? Another thing is, yes, I do scan CVs. Of course. Yes, it takes me less time to scan it than to read through everything. But does it mean that, you know, I I think that one pager CVs are better than five pagers? No, like, honestly, I don't. In fact, it worries me sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) of somebody applying for a very senior position and they have barely page. two pages yeah worth yeah. <laughs> of content on there i i find it slightly worrying i, I slightly panic <laughs> I
1: mean, absolutely like i mean i i've looked you know i i think about myself and you must think about yourself like when you're writing your cv i'm not gonna say like i look at cvs for for a living but i'm not gonna say i'm a true expert at writing my own CV, you know, when it comes to writing your own, like it's a different kettle of fish. Um, but, you know, in the recent weeks I've had to write my own CV. And the one thing I found very difficult is to do this whole one pager mentality. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, somebody reached out to me and was like, could you, could you check my, my CV? And I said, where is the rest of your CV?
0: same like the other day i had the exact same
1: thing (laughs) like i i was shocked i mean less than a page and then they said well this is the recruiter cv i have a proper cv for the hiring manager and i said but why but why like why would you have a different cv for talent acquisition versus a hiring manager and the reason the the key word there is they had a different cv for the recruiter and the thing is recruiters do scan quickly and they just want to see keywords right and there is this whole thing I I don't know that's going around that a lot of people think our ATSs or application tracking systems um look for keywords
0: I don't know I, I, I I honestly I It's not just that I've heard about that. It's that I continuously see all of these articles out there that talk about that. And I do not understand, A, whose ATC still does this. We're in 2020. Exactly. (laughs) Our ATCs are literally, I see a PDF or docx of your CV. Like, it's so basic. All I see is your name, your contact details, and your CV. Like on yeah. your cover letter and like and a few questions that you filled, my ATC is never going to like tell me some keywords and stuff like this. I think yeah. this is back from you know uh, what's that CV library? Was it TV CV library? library? Yeah, and that is like a platform that is notoriously used by agency recruiters who recruit, who like look for bulk pipeline.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because they they want bulk pipeline, right? So when I was an agency, that's exactly what I would be doing. I would be scanning sort of your um, big end job boards um, like CV li- library or um, a total jobs or um, whatever it was. And really, yes, um, that would be Boolean search. You would do a Boolean search on job boards, but do not let anyone tell you that, keywords are going to be um coming up when you apply directly for a job in for an in for a job like on a website like Mm -hmm. that's not how it works um because for a job on a website that you have applied for on that company's website guess where that cv comes to directly it comes to our ats's and it comes to people like me and you um which have which we scan through those cvs as you said and we look with our
0: eyes with
1: our eyes (laughs) (laughs) we don't get a machine to do that for us um i mean like and i wouldn't have a machine do that for me anyway because we would miss a lot of things and um i do want diverse candidates to come through the door and as you said as you mentioned transferable skills is so important right like You know, if I've seen someone, you know, who could have transferable skills in this in this role, I would rather have I would rather have a conversation with them. than you know, like having someone who's just copied and pasted, as you said, (laughs) (laughs) job description, the amount of times I've seen a copy and paste from a job description and I've gone, what is going on here? is is probably beyond me but yeah so CVs where we have uh we have let you know that all those myths are just non-existent and I think the future for CVs is probably they will not exist if I'm being honest um I, I guess maybe in in the next couple of years um I've really seen things work like um you know just having skills based questions on the website um, that come straight through to us there are uh, companies that are now doing no cvs at all so um and you know i as a recent candidate as well i've gone through through that and i've actually really enjoyed that process of having a no cv at all um, because they are just simply assessing your skills but that will take a longer time. But guess what? People doing that skills assessment from, you know, the website um, straight away, they're probably not going to be a 200, 300 candidates for that role. Um, it's probably for going.
0: Sure. I think in general, like the future of talent acquisition, if we talk about like what is that going to look like? I think it's going to become just more and more flexible when it will be sourcing and acquiring talent. Uh, it, it would just, it, we need to see in the future what is not just going to, you know, fill the knowledge gap that we need, but also what kind of person, what type of person from this candidate pool is going to add. To our culture uh, and, and support the company in nurturing that culture, uh, I think well, if we talk about the concept of, you know, like a culture fit, uh, I think for me, and I, I know Karthika do bump in, like for me, being a culture fit is like the basic, median, average, you know, part of coming to work for switchy like yeah. you just being the culture fit for us means that you are just on on average like this is this is like the minimum i need but this, when this it is comes like your to- basic moral ground like yeah, you know
1: exactly. that that should be the basic cultural fit is your basic moral ground um it doesn't mean you're you're doing anything more than your moral ground and and in fact, if you just don't have moral ground, then sure, you shouldn't get the job. But <laughs> like, um, like, when people have said this to me, like as a candidate, I'm not a cultural fit. I've always wondered, I have never said someone has never been a culture fit to anybody. Um, so when I have been told I'm not a culture fit, I've always questioned it because I don't understand in in those terms what culture fit means because in my head it is as you said standard moral ground like that everyone holds right
0: absolutely but you know like on the other on the other hand um and this is definitely something that i have come across uh, is is that i have been speaking with companies that were not a culture fit for me Mm-hmm. And, and this is when, um, you know, a culture fit for me can, can be these two concepts, this one concept of like your basic human moral. <laughs> yeah. But then there is another concept of like, how does this company present and live its culture? and kind of when you speak to uh representatives of that company they shed some light into what kind of culture they are and my expectation for like a place of work where i'm going to be happy is not usually like no. most of the time actually is not represented <laughs> i'm just super picky i like places with you know really really good nurturing cultures for for people mm-hmm. so i have been told i'm not a culture fit but I have taken it just as, you know, uh, I probably have too much expectations and they're not going to be able <laughs> to give them yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah. And that,
1: that's where this whole culture ad comes in. Right. So I have always said to people like, actually, the reason we couldn't take you is the fact that you could be a completely a culture fit and you've got on well with everyone in the on the table you know who interviewed you um but really when it comes to supporting you and your needs and your expectations we may not be able to do that like mm-hmm. and and that's where this comes into play and um it really is like could this person add value to our organization? Um, could they add value to the team they're working in? Um, and when it says add cultural value, it means not just the basic pillars that your your um, company have chosen, not just being your own CEO or pillars of happiness, but it's also like the ones like, will this person be able to challenge that team member will this person be able to bring in creative new ideas innovative new ideas but be able to communicate that well enough um and sometimes these aren't areas where we simply talk about um enough i think um and i think this is why people get frustrated when they hear these words like you weren't a culture fit
0: yeah absolutely (laughs) and you know like this is another kind of crucial thing to to understand about talent acquisition versus uh, external recruitment agencies. Is that I, I personally feel like no, you you guys in talent acquisition you know best uh, about this this culture fit thing. So when you do your initial phone screen you, you are already going to be able to, you know, like 60% <laughs> yeah. uh, towards a hundred identify if this person is at least a culture fit, if, yeah. if not already be able to see if they're going to be a culture ad. Um, and, and yeah, and, and that remit of building and nurturing culture of your company will That's always with a position. Yeah. Like talent
1: acquisition is, an imperative part. And I can't tell you how imperative it is. Like you guys, like anyone in talent and someone said to me, um, the other day, and I when I was hiring someone, they said to me, I was the most important part of their journey in the organization. And I was, I was honored. I said, why? Um, and it's because part of my role as heading up their talent function was to talk to candidates first, right? I'm the first point of contact that these candidates have. I'm the first point of contact for most employees, um, even before they start with us. And that means you are the first as talent acquisition is the first point of contact for your organization as a brand for employees. And you know, just like you would say you would have salespeople be the first point of contact um, for a future client, you want the most important part for your internal being your talent acquisition, because they still work externally with clients, technical clients, you know, candidates are clients. Um, and I think with that said, like you get a lot of people going, okay, you're the most important part, and you take them through this candidate experience journey um, and which is super important for your employment branding. Um, and I and as you said, it's so different between a recruitment agency, right? Because there's a lot of ag- that agency can't do for your brand that only you could do that as part of your as part of the organization's brand. Um, that's why I would always say
0: set it up if you can. But yeah. that's true. So I mean that brings us nicely onto the next subject: uh, external recruitment agencies. So mm-hmm. what is the notorious difference then?
1: <laughs> wow. Well, there is a huge difference in that sense because I started my journey in agency. And I can honestly tell you the huge hugest part of the difference is, as I said, talent acquisition internally works with the brand, works with hiring managers, works with talent pipelining, works with um, you know the employment branding, works with employee value propositions, um, works with diversity and inclusion. Um, so much more to that. Um, and in agency you see the very last part of what talent acquisition does. And in agency, they get the job description once it's done. Um, Once that job description is done, an agency takes it and matches a CV to that job. That is what agency recruiters do. So, ultimately, you would be paying money or this commission, for that to happen. That's how how that works. Um, And, and, you know, like, I would never say that I wouldn't use agency. I'm just saying that if I was to vet an agency, I'd have to vet them, (laughs) firstly, um, Mm -hmm. you know, completely. Um, And I, I would also be mindful that our brand in the market, our organization's brand in the market, is not being tarnished by an agency. Um, that every candidate that is applying for this job is being treated well. As Absolutely,
0: well. that's a part you know. That's a part that you uh, physically cannot control. It's like an extension of your uh, your salesperson. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like trusting an external salesperson to go ahead and, and bring you leads. That is the level of trust you need to have for the recruitment agency because they are going to be going out there presenting your brand. uh, And your culture and and the way that they're going to be conducting themselves is the way that this candidate is going to perceive your company. I have had feedback from people that I have hired in the past through uh, an agency where they told me, you know, so many stories like, oh, like I wasn't getting replies on time. It took so long. Um, yeah. I, I didn't when I asked questions about what you guys do. I was told, you know, they don't really know what you guys do. And, and then they were, they would say, actually, I had other conversations going at the time, which I was prioritizing over this one because they were direct and this one was a recruiter, or because they were replying to me a lot quicker. And I thought to myself, geez Louise, if I yeah. <laughs> on my own end, have myself you time. No- <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I my SLAs are. 24 hours from the moment i see a cv to the moment i reply to the person then 48 hours for me to schedule a a telephone conversation with them and then it's like three three like bam 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 until they're hired my like my ultimate goal is to get somebody in from the moment i first spoken to them to the moment they're in already with us it is two weeks time so I was thinking to myself, oh my God, like I literally, you know, tense my bum so hard yeah. uh, virtually to, <laughs> to make sure that these guys have this experience that is not slow and that they are cared for. Yeah. So how, you know, heartbroken I was to hear some of that feedback. Yeah, and it it's really disheartening because,
1: um, you know, you in, talent acquisition like if you're in talent acquisition in-house you also know that hiring managers when you get to them and you chase them and you chase them down like you chase them down to get that (laughs) feedback because you have you know a turnaround of 48 hours to get that feedback um otherwise you tell them well you're going to lose a great candidate now external recruitment agencies half of the time will not be able to chase down um like an internal talent acquisition can do um and that means that feedback can go up up to like i don't know like a week like you're not heard back for a week sometimes you'll never hear back you know you just won't hear back at all and you're kind of going well you know i ha i half expected that so for us for me the biggest difference was candidate experience was everything when going into in in, in in-house role and that's why i say when i'm working with recruiters i want to work with the best agency out there the one that understands our business the one that knows what we do um, and you know the one that will represent us in the best way possible um but otherwise i'd rather just spend the time doing it myself as you said
0: <laughs> yeah i just i find it you know bizarre because um you know re- recruiters would approach me with a phrase i will save you time if you work with me and at the back of my head yeah and at the back of my head i start envisioning A, I have to assess that you guys can represent us successfully, that you can provide great candidate experience, that you care about people. So then onboard you guys after that, teach you what we do, explain to you how we want our candidates to be treated uh and like and then calibrate with you which is then is going to take a few weeks again to just make sure that the cvs you sent me would be the same cvs i would pull out myself and and think they're good um and after that calibration uh still that kind of the communication this is when you start kind of saving time so that first process of like initial two three weeks is is the onboarding time that it takes to onboard an external recruiter and this is you know i am saying that because because i've done this so many times before i can't even tell you can't even count on my on my two hands anymore how many recruitment agencies i've onboarded in the past and this is and this is kind of as short as i've made this three weeks (laughs) is still how long it takes to make sure that you have synergy with the external recruiter now does this mean i've saved myself time or does this mean you know i could have used that time to go and source myself yeah and
1: it's it's a really tough one because you know the only reason an organization and the people within the organization would go externally to recruitment agencies is because of a pipeline That agencies have, especially in niche areas, right? Um, So they have a network of candidates in very niche areas. Um, That's the only reason we would go out. But is it saving time? Could we make that pipeline ourselves? I always try. In-house, I always try. I always try to make that pipeline, at least for the first two weeks. Um, Because ultimately, I'm doing the job description. I'm advertising everywhere that I can. Um, I'm naturally sourcing, as you said. You know, you might do LinkedIn. You might do a little bit of a search, um, and then you know you might come across someone, someone who's really good. That a recruiter, an agency recruiter, will send you two weeks down the line, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh well, I've already spoken to that person. So, not much time saved there. So really like there are reasons we would go to recruitment agencies of course but you know again these are these are times where we could maybe question what more can recruitment agencies give us especially internally if there is an already internal talent acquisition what more can an external recruitment agency give to us and that's where it's really important and me working in recruitment agency side i understand um, what you guys could be offering talent acquisition internally um, and what you can be offering agencies internally and that really is the added tools as well um as just your network of candidates and Niche in probably saving some time, but is the added tools such as if you were in, I guess, in Switchy um, You're a software company, right? So You have a lot of engineers. Engineers need to be tried and tested before they join you. So, you know, you test that if they know that language, like if they know Go or if they know React. Um, But a lot of the times Recruitment agencies are saying that this candidate is amazing, but will not tell you, you know, but we're still having to do the tests. Um,
0: For sure. It yeah. takes time. You have to think again, like, it it will take you time uh, to, one, yes, find, find these people out there somewhere, but it will take your developers time to, A, come up with, A test. Uh, B, after that test is completed by a candidate, check that test and send feedback about that test. And that is, you know, a couple of hours uh, at least for for that thing to take place. Minimum. So, yeah. so you are, you know, and I've gone through this before. I've reached out to agencies before, and I've reached out to platforms before for this exact reason that I needed to save my developers' time coming mm-hmm. up with tests for the developers, because yeah. there are, you know, uh, probably resources and companies out there that can go ahead create those tests and then run these candidates through the tests, and yeah. that is extremely valuable and but it is expensive and not only that
1: but you know you're like for me so if i went out to agency i got a candidate through the pipeline and then i was then on top of that paying for a tool such as hacker rank which is you know for instance um a test for for developers um so if i'm paying for for a another tool added on um then i would then be kind of going okay now i'm paying a recruitment agency and i'm paying for the process for this candidate um and we haven't you know and like we're spending more time as well Um, so i i wouldn't see the benefit you know if i'm paying a recruitment agency and they're not testing candidates
0: Uh. yeah i would see that as well i mean coming up to the end of our conversation let's jump into the bonus subject did you manage how did you manage (laughs) how did i get it (laughs) yes go from, uh, an, you know, an external recruiter into the talent acquisition function and making your way up all the way to the head of people. How did you make that initial plunge and, and how were you successful? What helped you? It wasn't easy. I'm not going to say anything in life is easy. Um,
1: but I will say that external recruiters, if you are taking the plunge, um, get yourself on some courses. Um, The reason I say that is because it really helped me. Um, It helped me understand, um, you know, what internal does. Um, It helped me understand a lot more. Um, I have my master's in organizational psychology, so that also did actually help um, the whole situation, but it, also meant that I understood internal organizations and how, how they were able to function and what they did. Um, but if you're an external recruiter and you do, do not have that, I would say maybe take your like, maybe take a your CIPD or um, just try to understand um, a little bit um, about the internal workings. Um, try to better yourself in that way um if you do get into in house and you're you're thriving and you're happy um i definitely think the way to progress is to keep learning in talent acquisition because talent acquisition as i said there is a huge future for it um there's more that you can do than be a, just a recruiter within talent acquisition um and i think if if you nail that um then you're going way further than you ever expected. And that's literally what I did. I kept learning within talent acquisition. Talent acquisition isn't being a recruiter, CV to job, CV to job, and being repetitive like that. It is way more, it is about engulfing yourself in the other aspects of talent acquisition, making sure you're being continually innovative um, and pushing boundaries in in this role. Um, And that's what I did. And that's how I got here, I guess.
0: (laughs) I always push
1: boundaries.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible, you know, that journey. Um, But I I would definitely think, you know, I agree with you, because I have started um, as a talent coordinator. And what, you know, I have been doing I thought to myself, um, you know, before taking the job, I thought, oh, I'm going to be a recruiter, aren't I? Mm -hmm. And then I got in and I was uh, pleasantly surprised that, you know, my job description uh, included Taking care of the culture, matching people to the culture, but also making sure that the onboarding experience, the candidate experience, the employer brand is all seamless and beautiful and really representative of the type of organization that you are trying to build, where everybody thrives and is taken care of. So it's it's a lot more. Yeah. Split your day wisely.
1: That's what I say. Split your day wisely because um talent acquisition you can get engulfed into just being a recruiter a lot of the time um so split your day wisely the you know if you have to do one half of your day just be with meetings uh learning learning about onboarding you know if you get the opportunity in talent acquisition to learn about onboarding to learn about working with hr i would say go do that because only then will you know and have the experience to say i have worked with hr i work with them consistently um, i understand onboarding processes you know i learned about visa applications you know like didn't really have to learn about it but i put my foot in into it and turns out that was another part of the experience that i learned about so
0: continually do it right (laughs) (laughs) that's right So thank you guys. This is another time that we're gonna, uh, you know, have to say goodbye. Obviously, we could speak for hours and hours on end, but we know we ain't got time for that. (laughs) But you know, we hope that this uh, this discussion just gave you, you know, a few ideas about what really is the difference between having an in-house talent acquisition versus relying on recruitment agencies. Hopefully now you have an idea of when you'd rather use a recruitment agency um, versus solely rely on your talent acquisition function. And hopefully also you got to learn why you need a talent acquisition function in the first place. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, CV to job or human being to org. This is going to be my quote of the podcast.
1: I love that quote. It is so that that one. Let's put that up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be the name, guys. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. It was so fun. Do reach out to us if you have any questions or if you want to chat more.
1: Drop us a message. We love to hear from you. We love to hear how we can improve. Maybe even drop us some suggestions for more topics that you want to hear us talk about because we want to talk to you all day, every day. That's just (laughs) us. Awesome.
0: All right, guys. guys.
1: Speak soon.